This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. Football, baseball, basketball, and more. You're listening to Fantrax Radio, the home of fantasy sports talk. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guy. Guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God, is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Hello out there, and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast, presented by Fantrax Radio. I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. I'm joined by the man with many minds, Nick Ligatino. Interesting. <laughs> I like that intro. What's up, everybody? And also the leader of the Elvis Andrews fan club, Joe Saunders. I'm waving my flag. I'm waving my flag. You can find <laughs> me at JoeFWO on Twitter. Hit us up. Okay, so we actually had some pretty big news this week, but we're going to be covering most of the guys uh, involved, that being Lorenzo Cain being signed by the Milwaukee Brewers and Christian Yelich being traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. So let's cover uh, the other side of the deal, and specifically I want to talk about Lewis Brinson because he's the prospect that went back to Miami that's most likely to play. He went back along with Ison Diaz, Monte Harrison and Jordan Yamamoto, those guys are probably not going to see the bigs until 2019. So what do you guys think of Brinson? Is he going to get the playing time this year? And what do you expect from him? Joe, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you're a Brinson guy, correct or incorrect? Uh, neither. In between? Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I, I, what I, we really need to see is the K rate come down from last year. I mean, he only had 55 plate appearances, so you can't hold a 31% K rate against him because it's not really in his rep- repertoire if you look at the years past. Um, the good thing was is that he did walk a lot, but you got to love the dual threat, uh, power and speed. He's a guy who could steal 2020 if he gets the playing time, and he's definitely a guy to stash. He should be drafted in all leagues. I have him on my radar. I like him. Yeah, the value goes way, 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 way up now that we know. Well, we don't know for sure, but uh, I feel very confident that he's going to get the playing time. Um, And I think they'll just leave him up and let him figure it out in the majors. So um, I have him for around 20 home runs and like 10 steals, which I think is valuable. I don't know where the batting average is going to be. He's probably going to be hot and cold like any rookie would be. Um, But his value goes way up. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I, I'm a little bit higher on the speed, a little bit lower on the power. Me too. I probably got him 16 homers, 15 steals, and right around a 260 batting average. I, I think he's going to be serviceable, and I think in spurts he'll be extremely valuable uh, because I do expect him to run kind of hot and cold while he figures out the bigs. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts slow. Um, over under 500 plate appearances. What do you guys think? Is he going to get those? Over. over. Yeah, I'm going over as well. Okay, so he's draftable late, standard mixed, right? Yeah, and I I, I like him 15-20 and a 265-ish average. Okay, yeah, so we're all in the same ballpark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that, let's move to the outfield preview part one. All right. And where else would we start other than Mike Trout? Fantrax, 1.0880p, NFBC, 1.08. Can you really make a good argument for another player at number one? No, you can't. He's number one. He's the best. We don't need to elaborate. Who who didn't take Trout at one? I don't know, but someone. I wonder if it was the same person on both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's number one. Okay. All right, so then let's move to uh, a combination of the next three. We've got Bryce Harper at number two, Fantrax 6.57, NFBC 8.38. Charlie Blackman, third. Fantrax 7.81. NFBC 8.76. And Mookie Betts, fourth. Fantrax 9.83. NFBC 8.64. So as you can tell by how close they are, drafters can't really seem to make up their minds. Uh, Who do you think has the highest ceiling among the three? Who has the highest floor? And then who do you personally like the best? Joe, you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. So I think Harper still has the highest ceiling. Um, I think Betts has the safest floor, and I like Betts the best. Okay, I agree with you as far as ceiling and floor go. How about you, Joe? Uh, it's a trifecta. Okay. And who do you like best, Joe? Harper. Yeah, I like Harper best too. I mean, he's still only twenty-five. Combination of power, discipline, youth, athleticism is very, very attractive. I'll concede he'll, he probably has the lowest floor considering his injury history. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Yes. Okay. But I'm assuming you guys are comfortable taking the chance on that health based upon the fact that you like him best, right? I am. Definitely. Yeah, I just think there's enough depth in this draft that I don't mind taking the shot on a guy that could be the number one overall player. Um, and he's one of the few. So, I mean, for instance, in a 12-team mixed league, as per ADPs, I just want to break this down for people so that way it's clear. Um, if you went with Harper, you could get Anthony Rizzo in round two, um, a secondary ace, Carrasco, Syndergaard, Bumgarner, Strasburg, with your third pick, and then follow that up with a player of the ilk of Edwin Encarnacion, Starling Marte, Nelson Cruz, or... Harper's teammates, Anthony Rendon or Murphy. So that's a pretty attractive package, I think. And you guys you guys liked Harper best out of the three? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's move to John Carlos Stanton, fifth outfielder, fan tracks 10.74, NFBC 9.18. Based on last year's results, this looks like Stanton is being drafted at a ceiling. Do you think the ballpark tax on more upside? I mean, listen, upside, 59 home runs, it's it's hard to 
project that he's going to hit more than 59, but there is a huge difference between Miami and Yankee Stadium. Um, but like I think Joe said it before, it, it doesn't really make a difference because all his home runs are crushed anyway. Uh, but in this case, he does get really good protection. He's got he's got a ton of guys around him. I think the counting stats will be better. Um, and yeah, the he, there is more upside for power, but how much more? I mean, are we talking like sixty five? I I don't know about sixty five. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about sixty five. I think he's. He, I think last year was probably just about around his ceiling. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that the park, the park t- t- tax anything on him right because i said it before and i'll say it again right that he hits him so hard that it doesn't really matter so um i mean i'm okay i'm okay with him here but i i wouldn't expect a repeat yeah i don't expect a repeat either i i think that i do think the ballpark is going to tack on something from what he would have done in miami but i'm not expecting it to bring him back to the level he was last year. And with that as his ceiling, I think he finished as the 11th overall player. So, I mean, at this point he's going right at or just above where his ceiling is. So there's not really a lot of profit here that I can see. Okay, let's take a look at Aaron Judge. Uh, His teammate, sixth overall outfielder, fan tracks, 17.09, NFBC 17.52. Over under 41.5 and a half homers, over under 260 average. And would you take him at this cost? Uh, for me, it's over on both. And yes, I'd take him at this cost. Um, it's just over on both, but I'm not particularly confident about it. Um, so throughout his slump and then into September, he saw more and more breaking pitches, but with less and less against them each month. So that's why I think he has a little bit of room to stick around at 260. Like he's got batting average skills that he'll improve. So I think he can stick around 260. But the power, I mean, I don't know. 50, 50 home runs is really tough to replicate back-to-back years in these days. I think I'd peg him for closer to like 42 or 43. So right above that number. And I'm definitely not taking him at this cost because I don't feel confident about any any of those. I, I disagree with you so much on that, but, but go ahead, Pat. I'll, I'll reply at the end. No, I'll reply now. Um, so how do you not see this guy hitting more than – like 42 home runs is like Chris Davis. You don't think Aaron Judge you, – you, he's, a, he's a stat cast maniac. Right? I, I, I don't think anyone's ever even come close to what this guy does in, in exit velo launch angle, everything across the board. No, and average home run distance. That's true. That's true, but I, I can't – I mean, I can't just neglect it's, that slump. Listen, uh, and you know what? It's like I said with Stan, it's hard to project to sit here and say, oh, he's going to hit 50 again. But if anybody well, the, can. The, I mean, that's exactly why, right? I, and yeah. I think that both of them can do it. But that's exactly why I don't feel very confident about it. Okay. And so, and so since I think he's going to hit around 260 and I'm not very confident that he's going to hit 50, I don't think it's worth the price here. Okay, let's move along to Cody Bellinger, the seventh overall outfielder. Fan tracks 23.51, NFBC 24.72. He's eligible at first base. And let's take a, take a look at him alongside J.D. Martinez, who's going off at a fan tracks ADP of 25.28 and an NFB, NFBC ADP of 
We've discussed Cody Bellinger at length before, obviously during our first base show. The sites seem to view these players very closely. Who do you like among these two? This is for me. This is extremely, extremely tough because Cody Bellinger's upside is bananas when you think about it. I mean, he's a kid that could hit, you know, fifty, and he could steal close to fifteen and bat for a good average. But I'd probably, I'd probably go with GD. I'd probably go with GD. He's just awesome in every way. Average home runs, everything. He's going to sign with a good team. He's he's going to be money. It's JD for me too. And you know, I love Cody. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sweep for me. I know Bellinger is going to offer some steals upside, but JD has just continued to improve in several important facets. Uh, The walk rates trending up, the K rates trending down. He continued his batted ball shift while making 49% hard contact. He's likely source of both near elite power and batting average. Uh, so I'm going to bank the 40-point advantage in average, and I'll chase and make up the 5-8 to eight steal difference later. Yeah, there's something to be said, too, about the consistency, right? I mean, not that we don't think Cody Bellinger is going to be consistent, but, I mean, J.D.'s got a career of this now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, Nick, with respect to J.D., if, he is, if we assume he ends up in a favorable offensive situation, i.e. Boston or back in Arizona, does he offer a first-round ceiling at a second, third-round turn price? Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally have J.D. as a mid-second rounder, and that's primarily because of injury and a lack of speed. But I think based upon what we saw last year, you have to say that the ceiling is that of a first rounder. Nick, where do you have him? Is he top of the second round? Is he I have him elsewhere? I have him right after Rizzo at 15th overall. Okay. Yeah, I've got him right around 17, 18. So let's move it to George Springer. Fantrax ADP 28.04, NFBC 31.32. Are you at all concerned with Springer's second-half downturn with an ISO decline of 0.304 to 0.137? And do you think he can keep the lack of Ks while hitting for power? Go ahead, Joe. You're the Astro guy. Yeah, thanks. So um, I actually don't think he can keep the Ks totally down uh, while hitting for power. So even as an advanced prospect, his MO is always hit the ball hard and swing freely. Um, And given how little success he saw with this somewhat timid approach, I'd expect him to sort of continue back to what he's been um, for the last few years. I think there's also something to be said um, that the whole team, the whole Astros team kind of slumped at the same time when they essentially had the division locked up. So um, I think this is a little bit of him taking the foot off the gas and I'm not really concerned. I'm totally okay with this with Springer here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Springer. Um, just all around, he's just fun to watch. I think there's a lot of upside in his speed, too. Last year, just five steals. I don't know what's going on with the Astros. Him and Correa both kind of came out and sold out in the speed department. But I think that could go up to 15-plus, and that'll go along with 30-plus home runs and a nice average and, of course, really good counting stats being on that team. Uh, so I love it. I like the price. Uh, I, I like to pick a lot. Are you concerned at all that he's he's gotten like dinged up and nicked here and there? Uh, yeah, but he put in he turned in 140 last year and 162 the year before, so 
I'm all right with that. If he, you know, if he gives you, if he gives you 140, it's not. He's still kind of returning value. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay, let's move to the tenth overall outfielder, Andrew Benintendi, Fantrax mm. 42.4, NFBC 42.36. Benintendi seems to represent a teardrop from Springer. Do you think that's warranted, or can the much hyped prospect return some value at a fourth round price? Yeah, I, I so this is one of my favorite plays in baseball. Um, and I think that we're just, we're, we're going to see a huge breakout from this kid very, very soon. So to answer your question, yes, he definitely can return value. And I think the power is going to come this year in the shape of like 30 home runs. And it's going to come along with like 20 stolen bases and a two eighty ish average. He's Mookie bets in the fourth round. So just target this guy in every league. He's such a good, good eye to ball contact hitter. Once he finds his stroke, that's a wrap. This kid is going to be awesome. Well, I want to be clear. I do like the player and and I do think he's got um, that sort of upside in his bat at some point. I just do not think it's going to come this year. So I do think the teardrop is warranted and I've actually got him below the next several players because I, don't think he's going to hit that level. Uh, the hit tool is great. I'm a fan of 2020, 300 types, just like everybody else. But other than the typical narrative, he's young, he's going to get better. I just don't see anything that indicates to me he's going to turn into in a season that's like 25, 30, or 30, 25, 310, except for his pedigree. Um, his power points to being average to slightly above average, according to the StatCast data. His expected home runs were 20 on the nose. He's about league average on barrels, fast, uh, fly, ball to line drive, fly ball and line drive velocity, and average fly ball distance. The price isn't terrible. I just think I want elite skills at this point. And other than potentially batting average, which is not certain, his expected average was 274. And he hit 280. He doesn't offer that. He's more of a jack of all trades, master of none type. So I'm passing mm. at this price. Okay. Nick, do you have Benintendi in front of Springer? Yes. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I have, I have him. I have the ADPs correct. I have him right after. Okay. Okay. All right. 11th, Marcelo Zuna. Fantrax ADP 43.19, NFBC 50.08. Are you a believer in Ozuna's breakout? Or are you scared that his inconsistencies at the plate could turn this investment into a very expensive 270, 25 homer bat? So let's start this off with this was a long time coming. I think the fantasy community at large was waiting for this sort of breakout to occur. Um, and it finally happened. Um, most of the additional power comes from the change in the launch angle to barrel up the ball more as he actually pulled his flies less and hit his flies less hard often despite increasing his barrels per batted ball event. I'm in with the breakout, but uh, that stat data has me a little bit concerned, and I think he's closer to a 30 home run bat than a 40 home run bat. And with a career high of a 355 bat bit last year, which is higher than his career average at 327, I think all said and done, the batting average is going to come down, the power is going to come down, and I do think this is expensive. See, I'm going to go the other way with those. You know, I feel pretty safe with him because um, I look at it as one and a half really solid seasons of production now with an injury plague second half of 2016 as the outlier. 
If you take that out, his 600 plate appearance pace is 31 homers, 85 runs, 100 RBIs, a 310 batting average. Um, and that's over 1,000 plate appearances. So, I mean, it's pretty steady. He doesn't need he, he doesn't need it with the type of profile he has, but his sprint score of 28.2 is equivalent with double-digit steal guys like Dexter Fowler, Chris Bryant, Francisco Lindor, and the aforementioned Andrew Benintendi. So it wouldn't stun me if a move to St. Louis helps bring some of the speed out of him, uh, even though we haven't seen it before. And I also think, like sort of along the same lines as what Joe said, there could be more power here. Um, he accomplished everything he accomplished last year with a below average launch angle uh, with a player like Matt Carpenter there uh, and Tommy Pham, who who looks at this kind of stuff very closely. I wonder if Ozuna could be talked into generating a bit more lift. If he does, he could be JD Martinez in my mind with maybe a little bit more value on the base pass. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair because I made a, uh, I'll, I'll talk about him in a little bit, but I, I made a similar analysis to, for Domingo Santana, he has sort of the same problem. So I guess it's not fair that I'm giving Santana a boost and Ozuna a knock. Well, but, I mean, uh, to be fair, they are going 15, 20 picks apart, right? So maybe you're yeah. more comfortable taking that kind of batter ball profile, you know, in round six as opposed to round four. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of it, I guess. Oh, okay. All right, let's move to Nelson Cruz, 12th at the position. Fantrax, 49.94. NFBC, 55.98. I'm mentioning him here because he's outfield eligible in five games started formats. Elsewhere, he's util only. So let's address this. Are you concerned at all with filling your utility with Cruz? Uh, not even a little bit. No. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And are you against the Aegis pushing him down? And do you think he's a profit waiting to happen? He's 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 always a profit waiting to happen year after year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he hasn't hit below 288 in the past three years. He walked more. He struck out less. He hasn't he hasn't hit less than 39 home runs since 2013. Yeah, and I think he's got run and RBI upside because yeah. the lineups improved around him. It's crazy. So I actually used to hate Cruz. I used to be a big Cruz hater, and that's actually the the old, the old guy guy, but I'm totally in on this. Yeah. Don't like, let's not have a repeat of what happened with David Ortiz, where for like seven straight years, he was being overlooked in drafts and he just wound up being like the best every single year. I mean, don't you think that Ozuna's upside is like Nelson Cruz, maybe a little bit better. Uh, I don't, but I, I do because the speed is in there. I mean, just because the speed is in there doesn't mean he's necessarily going to run or can run because he just might be really bad on the base paths. But I think that he could be plus, you know, like 10 steal upside. Okay. Yeah. So I guess my point, though, is right. Like Cruz six picks or yeah, six picks later is really nice. Well, I would have Cruz in front of Ozuna. I do, too. So... That tells you where I am. Do you I'm know? just saying Ozuna has the ability to Yeah, of course. I'm a, I'm a huge cruise guy, of course. All right. Okay, let's move to the 13th outfielder, Starling Marte. Fantrax, 52.38. NFBC, 48.98. Uh, 
Marte's full-season pace would have been approximately 14 homers and 42 steals. Steamer doesn't doubt the power with the 17 home run projection, but is skeptical on the speed with 31 stolen bases. Are you a believer? So, uh, full disclosure, this analysis is more subjective than objective, but I'm actually the opposite. I think I believe in the power less than the speed. Um, I'm putting a lot of weight into that second half, despite it only being 255 plate appearances. That was after the suspension. Um, His stolen base totals were still on a very healthy pace, but the home run pace was closer to 11 or 12. Um, He also made a lot of medium contact and not as much hard contact in the second half. Um, So I'm not totally sure if the PED suspension had anything to do with it, but I don't feel totally safe projecting him for 17 home runs. I will say this. I think there's a little bit of RBI upside now that he's probably going to be in the three spot with Kutch gone. Um, All told, I think he's like 13 home runs and like 35 stolen bases, which is still a great grab here. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I looked. I mean, I was under the impression that he struggled a bit more than he actually did. Um, You know, he was seven homers, 21 steals in 77 games, batting 275. Um, For whatever reason, I thought that he had done worse than that. Um, He was down in his ISO, but... Uh, I'm not terribly worried about that, despite corresponding drops in hard contact and the StatCast data. Um, and, I, and I don't want to run the risk of sounding like it's nothing. But honestly, if the power is non-zero, if the power is what Joey talked about, and he hits 275 and he steals 40 bases, do yeah. you really care about the ISO? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you're not you're not buying him for 17 homers. You're buying him for 10 plus homers and 40 steals and a 280 batting average. So yeah. the ISO doesn't even really have to recover for him to still be valuable in what you want him to be. And, Go ahead, John. You've got something to say. No, it's okay. We're we're gonna talk about Billy Hamilton in a little bit, right? But the difference between Marte and Hamilton is something like 15 picks. And there's like no doubt. I'd so much rather have Marte for my than Billy Hamilton. It's like not even close. Not even close. Yeah, and just I have another thing on the ISO. I mean, if you go back and you look at Marte throughout his career, he's always been a pretty streaky player. So there's like a very good possibility that since he missed half the season, we simply missed the months where he was going to hit for power. Um. You know, I understand that he was suspended for PEDs. So, I mean, there is a narrative out there that says, oh, well, he was off the PEDs, so that's why his power was down. I don't know if I buy that. Um, you know, he could have been hiding an injury, or we simply got the three months where he didn't hit for doubles and triples, uh, as many doubles and triples as, as he might in other months. So, I mean, I, I like Marte. The price is pretty good. Um and I think a 15 homer, 40 steal, 275 projection is perfectly reasonable. Okay, Justin Upton, 14th overall outfielder. Fantrax, 53.7. NFBC, 45.54. Upton is the bookend of this class, depending on which site you are drafting on. What can we expect from Upton in his first full year in Anaheim? Uh, so I am a huge Upton guy. I feel like I own him every single year in our home league. Um, he's like the most consistent player in all of fantasy. Uh, maybe not the most, but he's definitely up there. Top five. Uh, every single year he's 
close to 30 home runs. He's right around 10 stolen bases, and he's got a pretty decent average. Now, uh, he's on a loaded offense. Um, he's going to be in a good spot in the lineup. I think that I think we're going to see another repeat of another 30 plus home run season. We're going to see uh, right around 10 plus steals, maybe even more. Anaheim seems to like to steal bases, and we, we're going to probably see a two between 265 and 275 average. It's just money in the bank. This is a safe pick. There's he's he doesn't really scream upside anymore, but this, the floor is so nice. I love the pick here. Do you have him ranked differently in Roto or head-to-head, considering that we shouldn't have called it Corey Dickerson cold. We should have called it Justin Upton cold. No, 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 no. Wait, are you – now, you're referring to last year or the year before? The year before. Okay, forget that. (laughs) Forget that. Listen, listen. Nah, it's all good. Yeah, he's referring to every single year of his career. I'm I'm mostly on board with you, though. The the one thing I do want to add to what you said is that I think Steamer has him vastly underrated in the run and RBI department. Mike Trout kept Albert Pujols alive in runs and RBI when he had no no, no chance of actually providing any value. He, no he was like, he was dead weight and he was still putting up runs in RBI because where he was hitting in the lineup and he was hitting near Trout. A full year of Justin Upton near Trout he can he can definitely eclipse 200 runs in RBI, which is not there in the steamer estimates. And I think you should really consider when you're doing your own calculations having Upton up there. What do you think, Nick? You agree? Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I don't I don't think this Angels lineup is that much better than the Tigers lineup in 2016. Honestly, that lineup was completely loaded, and you had a healthy Miggy, and you had JD, and you had uh, just a plethora, Ian Kinsley, yeah, plethora of good players there. So, um, I think, I think, I think you're right that he is underrating the RBIs and steals, but I mean the RBIs and runs. But I think they'll be around what he did in last year and the year before, which will be like ninety ish, ninety ish. He'll be just fine. Okay. All right, let's move to AJ Pollock, fifteenth overall outfielder, fan track sixty point zero nine, NFBC sixty four point four two. With a round and a half to two rounds separating them, do you want to wait on Pollock and get two rounds of value or take Benintendi? Yeah, so in, in Benintendi, I think you're paying for a bit more safety in the batting average, and you feel pretty good that he's going to play a full season. Um, Pollock really comes down to will he play the whole year. Um, I think there's still a bit of batting average upside from what he did last year. That bat pick was pretty, pretty low for such a fast guy. Um, and there really aren't any huge red flags anywhere in his profile. And most of what he put together last year was right in line with his 2015 breakout. So if you don't mind taking the risk here, um, Pollock presents a really nice 2020, 2020 option, which is pretty much what we, th- what, what Pat, you and I think um, Benintendi is. Yeah, I would rather have Pollock even with the substantial injury questions that he carries. Pollock's pace stats with power and speed were about 20 homers, 30 steals, with 110 runs over a full season. Of course, full season probably isn't the cards, and I'll, in, in the cards, and I'll admit that. But on a per-game basis, Pollock can do a lot of damage. Um, I think the batting average being down was fluky. That 291 BABIP doesn't make, a, doesn't make me think that that's going to repeat. 
-hmm. uh, the strikeout rate was actually down year over year at 15.2%. There's no problems there. I mean, the batted ball profile makes it look like bad luck. 23% line drive rate, 35% hard contact, good mix of grounders and flies considering his, um, his speed. He hit a few more grounders than flies, and that should have helped his BABIP. did not. Um, he carries an above-average fly ball to fly ball line drive velo mark at 93.9 miles per hour. That's on par with Trevor Story and in the neighborhood of Eric Thames, Robinson Cano, and Freddie Freeman. He's also got above-average home run distance and 95-mile-per-hour hit percentage. There's little reason to doubt that full-season Pollock is a 20-homer bat. The stolen bases, he swiped 20 of 26. He still has a plus speed score and is an above-average base runner. Plus, Arizona remained highly aggressive on the bases last year, so there's no reason to think that they're going to curtail him. I'll put it this way. I'd rather have Brian Dozier and A.J. Pollock than Benintendi and Jonathan Scope. Would you take – do you have Pollock in front of Benintendi straight? Yes. So do I. I'm oh assuming, Nick, you definitely do not. <laughs> definitely not. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> All right, here comes the fun one. 16th, Byron Buxton. <laughs> oh, man. Get ready, Benchard, everyone. 60.21, NFBC 53.3. Let's start simple. Is this ADP good, too high, or way too high? And then what are your thoughts on this mercurial talent? Well, the ADP, and you're going to say, oh, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. But no, listen. Well, I, then don't talk out both sides of your mouth. I'm going to say this. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Buxton, as I was last year. Um, I'm going to continue to be a fan of Buxton. Uh, but I am not that crazy about the ADP. I, I think he kind of belongs in the – uh, between 75 and 85-ish area. Uh, it's not off by that much. but So, yeah, I'm not crazy about the ADP. Okay. It's not, and, it's not that bad. And you can you elaborate a little bit on his talent? Yeah. All right. So, like I said last year, when we got into heavy arguments and you, fight me to, you fought me tooth and nail, I told you this guy is a 2020 bat who will – hit for a better average than what you thought it was. He had the 35% K rate in 2016, um, and that came down. We I, And we kind of knew it was going to come down, and I think it now is going to come down even more from 29 to maybe like a 27.5-ish area, which will result in more contact and a higher batting average. He's going to hit for high BABIP. I think he looked at like a 265, 275-ish hitter this year with 30-plus steals because he's going to get on base more. And remember, he only had 511 at-bats last year. So with more at-bats, with more contact, we're going to get more steals, and we're also going to see more power. I think he's easily a 20-plus home run hitter. Uh, he's not really the best-looking guy on StatCast, but he is above above average in exit velo. He is way above average in launch angle. And he's still so young, and he's just such a talented player. The talent's on the field. Um I think we're going to see him grow year after year and get better and better. All right. So I, I think it's, I think the ADP is too, is too high. I have him right around a hundred. Um, that's nearly four rounds on fan tracks and over it on FBC. My argument is pretty simple when it comes to Buxton at a fourth and fifth round price tag, depending on your league size, you're drafting him not at a ceiling, but, that's what's approximately his 75 to 80% uh, 
uh, percentile projection. I think that removes a lot of the value from this pick. He's not reached the level of production before. He's going to need significant improvements to get there, and there's a substantial chance that Buxton is a net loss with this pick. Now, Buxton did make some improvements year over year. Nick mentioned walk rate went up slightly. K rate was down 6%. Contact was up about 3%. But the contact figure is just a little bit misleading because a substantial amount of those gains came on out-of-the-zone contact, um, which is less likely to be repeated. Most fans seem particularly enamored with his second half where he triple slashed 300, 347, 546. But that was underscored by a 27% K rate and a 378 Babbitt, which are unlikely to be repeated. Um, the Babbitt is. At that level, the Ks could be reasonable, could, could be livable, but in September, he reverted back to old habits and struck out 32% of the time after two months of real gains. Paul Spore of Fancrafts wrote an excellent piece on Buxton outlining his contact gains in the zone, coinciding with improved performance. But lo and behold, almost all those gains were temporary. His contact rate and zone contact rate dissolved in September, returning to pre-July levels because pitchers changed their approach. They were throwing him a ton of fastballs early in the year that he couldn't hit, and then he exploded when he figured out how to hit the fastballs. In September, pitchers changed their approach, went more breaking and off-speed, and the contact problems returned. Until further notice, he's got contact and K issues. Uh, you know, if he comes out and he starts to figure out how to hit breaking pitches and off-speed pitches, that's fine. But he hasn't figured it out yet. Um, with the BABIP, he's definitely a plus BABIP guy, despite a lofty infield fly rate. But his ex-BABIP last year was 326. His yearly 339 is in that realm of possibility, but you shouldn't expect the 378 that came in the second half last year. It's undeniable that he's a teens power guy, but I'm not sure he's more at this point. He's below average on barrels per batted ball event, slightly above average on fly ball and line drive velocity, and below average on 95 mile per hour hit percentage. So that makes him a high strikeout, Babbitt reliant speedster with league averageish power. I comped him to BJ Upton and received a thumbs up from a fan. I didn't mean it as a compliment. He's a player with a lot of variance whose draft cost is much closer to the high end than the middle. If you want to play for the home run, I understand. But just understand you might be paying a triple's price for a bunt single. Oof. Buxton rant over. Joe? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just with you guys. I think it's too expensive, way too expensive. Um, yeah, I'm I'm like at around a hundred too. Also, yeah, Nick, shut up. <laughs> Whatever, Pat. Listen, I, I, I don't want to dwell on Buxton as much as we did last year because it was an every show thing. But <laughs> bottom line is this: to put it in simplistic terms and put aside all the mumbo jumbo pat just spewed <laughs> in his first full year in the league he went 16 29 250 okay first yeah, you're just ignoring like a whole half season of a bats that occurred before that but that's okay it's 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 okay it, it's his first full season okay and you were wrong last year uh, no i was gonna not wrong, actually and you're gonna be wrong right. again this year i was quite right actually he finished as the actually no he was quite wrong. what was that he was 298th 
How could he okay. be 298 if he went 1629 253? Nick, I have a question for you. Um, from what you've seen him do on the field so far, would you consider him? Would you consider him a player that immediately passes the eye test, or a player that looks very toolsy, that looks like he can one day put it together? Um, or somewhere no, I, in between. No, no. Listen, right now he's gonna get you by. If you take the pick here, at fifty-six. What's the what's the EDP? Sixty in fan tracks, fifty-three in NFBC. Okay, so if you take him at fifty-three in NFBC, he's gonna return Marte-esque value this year. Upside wise, I think there's a lot more power in his swing that is un that we haven't tapped into yet, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of speed. No one in this chat can argue the speed. Twenty-nine is is like the, his floor for 2018. Yeah, but you think he can be up with Marte at like 280, 285? Well, his Babbitt was only 339 last year. That's going to go up. So you're going to project him above a 340 Babbitt? Well, he's one of the fastest guys in baseball, Pat. Yeah, but that's that's like a that's that's like a really high end Babbitt, and I understand that he's fast, but. The, the batted ball profile just does not indicate that that's going to occur. Okay, that's fine. I mean, he doesn't hit enough grounders for him to do that. For him to really take advantage of that speed. But okay, let's move it to Christian Yelich. Uh, Fantrax, 66.08, NFBC, 71.12. With the move to the Brewers, does his value go up, down, or stay the same? And are you going over, under 20 homers? And just for fun, who would you rather have, Christian Yelich or Byron Buxton, based on the price? Yeah, I'd rather have I'd rather have Christian Yelich. Yeah, and so. I'd rather have Christian Yelich. And I and it's what'd you say? <laughs> I thought so. You just got to throw in your two cents. <laughs> um, I like Christian Yelich better, and the upgrade to uh, Milwaukee is huge. Uh I think it's I think it's good, right? I don't know if it's huge. I think. Uh, I, I bumped him up like three home runs, I think it was, from 20 to 23. So I'm over on the home runs too. Um, the the big thing here is that it's all about potential. We know what Yelich's deal is, right? He hits the ball on the ground too often to really be uh, a top, top fantasy contributor. If for whatever reason Milwaukee whispers sweet nothings in his ear and he decides to lift the ball more, or if he likes the new ballpark where the the left-handed home run factor is a 103 compared to Miami where it's 93, right? Maybe he decides to lift the ball more. I think he's a good enough hitter that he can make changes and still succeed. So with that said, he has upside to be a top five outfielder easily. Wow. Yeah, I think so. But will it happen? I don't think so. Or I don't know, actually. And so that why that, that's the reason why I'm still keeping Yelich in this neighborhood. And yeah, I he's really like him above Buxton. He's the mystery box, and he continues to be the mystery box because he's he's the guy that this year he could hit like 32 home runs, and we'll be like, yeah, all right, well, well, that's we what I'm saying, right? 32 yeah. home runs, but then he also plus 15 plus speed and a two plus 80 average. I mean, we're talking about like a top top outfielder. Yeah, but then he could also hit like 15 and we wouldn't be surprised. He's just That's like true. an odd player, but he's a really good contact hitter. Well, he's, he's not an odd player. We know the problem. 
Yeah. Just, he, if, if we want, if we, if he wants the home run upside, then he's got to make the change. And I'm sure he knows it by now. I mean, someone's had to tell him. Sure. <laughs> I'll tell him. Yeah. Tweet him. Pat, Pat right. what do you think real quick? Uh, I'm going to be ridiculously high on Christian Yelich. I have him at 25 homers now and 21 steals because I think he's going to run more too. Um, yeah, but that has Milwaukee to be a, is a team. Wait, what uh, not necessarily. I mean, he hit 21 before in Miami. Um, and he, he's gradually making the change. Um, he's up to his fly balls every year for, I believe, the last three years. It's still not there, not where you want it to be, but he's been making the adjustment, and there is some thought to the idea that he's kind of been a different player at home and on the road, um, and I think that's got some um, – legs. I, I I think that he might actually try to tap a little more into the power, knowing it's not futile in Milwaukee as opposed to Miami. Um but yeah, I, I I'm I'm very high on him. What I want to do right now is just run through some of the names that we've talked about and you guys can tell me when you would n- not take that player over Yelich. Or 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 when you would take that player over Yelich. So, all right, so Yelich is 17 right now. The one before him is Buxton. I think we're all in agreement, Yelich over Buxton, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Pollock. I'm taking Yelich over Pollock. I'm taking... I'm taking Yelich, too. I'm taking... Yeah, I'm taking Yelich over Pollock. Upton. No, Upton. No, Upton. I'm taking Yelich. Marte. 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 Yelich, Yelich. Needs, he needs the swing change. You, you, you can't – he's got DJ LeMayu-esque launch angle. If that 4.6 I know what he's got. You don't need to preach it to me. I know. I'm telling you – I told you why I think it's going to okay. change. All right, all right. So, and he's got power in his swing when he does lift the ball. Yes, he does. So I think he's going to – make the adjustment now that he's in a ballpark that lets him hit for power. And even if he doesn't, he's still a guy that could go 15 to 20 homers, 25 steals and hit 300 in a really, really good lineup. Yep. So it's not like the floor is terrible. No, it's not terrible at all. So, yeah. So my cutoff point is Cruz on Yelich right now. Although I will admit, I, I do reserve the right to go back on Upton. Upton and him is extremely close to me. Wait, wait are you taking Yelich over Ozuna? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I definitely am. Oops. Okay. Speaking of safe floors, let's segue into Billy Hamilton now. <laughs> Billy Hamilton, <laughs> 18th at the position. Fantrax 66.57, NFBC 55.44. The NFBC crowd is obviously buying the speed. Are you? Can you use a player like Hamilton, like we talked about with D. Gordon? I, I'm I'm not buying anything. Keep keep this guy away from me in drafts. There's no way I take him anywhere. He's Rajai Davis going in the first seventh rounds. He's he's Emilio Bonifacio going in the first seven rounds. He's <laughs> he's 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 under five home runs. The yeah, the steals are great, but there is a 
floor that is beneath the basement. And I just, I, I just, I don't have to say anything else. I, I just hate him. I just get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think he's a different animal from D. Gordon, um, which was obviously inherent in what Nick said. He's not a plus in batting average like Gordon. And last year, despite being on a really good offense, he only scored 85 runs, um, which was 47th most in the bigs. So it wasn't terrible, but you have to do better than that. And the reason why he didn't was because his OBP is 299. So where Gordon's like a three-category guy, Hamilton's really a category and a half. Um, thus, the two to three rounds difference in the ADP, and I, I think that it should be more much like Nick. Um, you know, I could see a universe where I take Hamilton, but I, I just don't think he's ever going to be there at the price I would pay because I view him kind of like I view Joey Gallo. Um in that he's like a big time team construction oh, how piece. How dare you? Except he's not being drafted at a reasonable price. How did Do his not. How did his price go up? Right, Billy Hamilton was an awful pick when his price was lower, <laughs> and now it's just yeah. worse. Yeah. It's because of the speed is scarce narrative, which oh. does have legs, but. I don't know. It's not so scarce that I'm doing this. I mean, no, look at the guys that are going around him. Are, are you passing up Yelich in Milwaukee? 40-plus bombs from Chris Davis. Power and speed from Domingo Santana, wherever he ends up. Oh. I'm doing that to the detriment of, like, three primary categories, too. Like, it's not even he's decent in the other categories. He's a complete, like, albatross in RBIs. He's not good in batting average. Yeah, he's and only okay in runs. Yeah, if he scored like 120 runs, right? Then, like maybe. Well, he wouldn't be hitting 245. I, I know. Two ninety nine. I, I know. <laughs> he would have to score every time he got on base. Oh, and you know, I don't know. If, I don't think the leash is that long anymore either, because we've seen him go through such bad cold spells over the last three seasons. Um, and there are some good young talent coming up on this team, especially and good OBP guys like Winker, who could yeah. possibly take that leadoff. Who I would much rather have in that leadoff spot, and maybe even Peraza. But uh, so if we see a prolonged cold slump, we could find Billy at the back of the lineup. Well, that's you know that's what? a fantastic point. Yeah, because they've been shopping him, and I wouldn't be shocked if he gets traded to a team and ends up as a fourth outfielder. Yes, and a pinch runner. Yes, which on its face you might not think would be a bad thing because then he doesn't have to hit, but the volume won't be there. So he could become like a really useless asset at the trade deadline. Yeah. And, and get Jesse Winker to the top of this lineup so I could own him forever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan of Jesse Winker too. He's the best. All right. So, 19th outfielder, Chris Davis, with a K. Fantrax ADP 70.87, NFBC 70.22. Among the most consistent power hitters in the game, is he appropriately priced, or is his lack of upside creating a value opportunity? Do you want Davis at this price? Or Reese Hoskins, who's also outfield eligible, what we talked about in the first base pod, about two rounds earlier? So I'm actually really curious to see what you say, Pat. 
I'd rather have Davis. I'm not as high on Hoskins as the rest of the fantasy community is. And I have them actually projected extremely close to one another. So that's why I'd rather have Davis. Um, he's averaged 150 games the past two years. And with Matt Olson in the lineup from day one, he should post solid run in RBI totals, close to what he did last year. I think there's actually some average upside as last year he whiffed the smallest amount in his career and his swing strike percentage was at a three-year low. Um, I really, really like this price for a near lock of 40 bombs and solid counting numbers. And my question is for you, Nick, specifically, is why would you take someone like Aaron Judge 55 picks higher when you could have, oh, I well, think, a pretty easy. similar You took that here. right out of my notes. Well, that's easy. <laughs> I'll tell you what. First of all, uh, I'll just I'll, I'll be brief with this. I, I love Chris Davis. And what I love most about him is that he somehow batted 247 three years in a row. <laughs> How does that happen? It's impressive. It's impressive. And then 2014, 244. It's, it's really bizarre. But anyway, yeah, listen, super consistent power hitter at this point of the draft. I love it. He's going to continue to reek. But if you're comparing him and Aaron Judge, you're – I just did. It's apples and oranges. It's apples and oranges. The, the talent that Judge has and the upside that he has is greater than anyone else in all of baseball. Literally. Number one. You're crazy. Um, that's completely okay. Mike Trout that, is still alive. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mike Trout, what I'm talking about power right now. So let's get That's back not to what it. you said. Yeah, right, whatever. What said. <laughs> whatever. Listen. Aaron Judge has 60 home run potential, 290 home run potential, and he could steal bases. I think he's in his still 15 plus this year. I, I just don't see it. 290 home runs? <laughs> Wait, what don't you see, Joe? I, I don't mean, see a 290 I, batting average. Yeah. Dude. Do you see how bad he struck out at the second half of last year? How bad he was struggling? Did you see that? Yeah. All right. Did you see what he did in the final month of baseball? I know. All right. So listen, bottom line is there's no comparing these two that uh, between the speed, the power upside, and the average. This is how this is how underrated and the counting stats. It's the A's versus the Yankees. This is how underrated Chris Davis is. We go to talk about Chris Davis, and we end up talking about Aaron Judge. No, Joe <laughs> talked about Aaron Judge. Pat was going to, too. I was going to do it, too. Because right, well, whatever. I, I do think that – well, Judge is clearly better, right? Like, I, I think yeah, he's I better. Yeah, I agree with that. Yes. In, in every way, but though. The question in every way. Is, but no, but the question is, is it like 60-some-odd yes. picks better? He has the speed. I don't know about that. Pat, yeah, I don't know about that. Not for what you're for giving Yankees. up. He has better average. <laughs> Not for what you're giving up to what take you, Judge oh compared to God, Davis. You're making no sense right now. Both what do you, you mean? What do you because mean? You can have you JD. You can't compare the two. Yeah, but you, you can't can have JD them. and Chris Davis. Dude. Or you, could have, or you could have Judge and, I don't know, Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. It, it, listen, Judge has the edge in speed. He has the edge in average. He but has a wait one second, one second better. Oh, wait, 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 and forget about the edge. He has a monster gap with runs in RBIs. A monster upside runs in RBIs. It's two completely different players. I, you can't compare. Know. I don't actually agree with that. I think the the A's are sneaky good. Oh my god! You're gonna compare the A's lineup to the Yankees? No. All right, so then stop right there. Then just don't, don't do it. Then <laughs> it got fired up. Uh, all right, listen. I mean, judge aside. Okay, so you disagree on that? That's fine. Everyone does, but go ahead. 
<laughs> no, I, I don't, but that's okay. That's fine. We've covered it. So in terms of Hoskins, I do think that I'd rather have Davis as well with the two rounds of value. Um, there's a lot of stability here. 40-plus bombs, back-to-back years, 190 to 200 runs-plus RBIs. He's a three-category guy with maybe a little more upside in the runs and RBI department because the lineup is better. Um, and he's got a walk rate that surged to 11% last year. And there is something to be said to be able to just punch in numbers and know what he's going to do for you, as opposed to dealing with the randomness that comes with a player that had, you know, 250, 300 plate appearances. Um, You know, there is always the potential that that player got hot, even though I like Hoskins quite a bit, and I do think he's for real. Um, But there is always some risk that it was a fluky stretch and that it will not bear out over a longer period of time. Um, And I also wanted to raise Davis as a guy that maybe you could pair with D Gordon if you're a D Gordon guy, because between the two, you're looking at 45 homers, 60 steals, and a 270 average. So, so Nick, are, are you taking Davis or two rounds, or two rounds and Davis or Hoskins? Uh, Davis. Okay, so we're all on board with Davis. It's close though. I do like both plays, but it's close. Okay. All right, let's move to Domingo Santana, twentieth outfielder, Fantrax seventy three point nine four, NFPC seventy two point zero two, and the twenty first overall outfielder, Tommy Pham, seventy four point four three. NFBC 61.43. Which 2017 breakout do you prefer? Nick? Oh, man. I mean, listen, this is so, so, so tough because I really like both players. Um, But I'm going with Domingo Santana, and it's extremely close. Joe, who are you going with? I'm going with the Dingo, too. And so I'm going to be all over the place right now. With this analysis. So there are legit warning signs all over the place with Domingo Santana, right? The sky high uh, homer to fly ball rate with the high whiff rate and a chase rates and only average sprint speed score. And he pulls his fly balls 10.3% of the time, which is pretty awful. With all of that said, right, I'm going to pull the old, uh, if you watch him play, you'd know that He's got a really strong track record of being able to just mash the ball and steal his fair, fair share of stolen bases. He's done it throughout his whole career, and if you watch him, you've seen him do it too. So that that poor pull fly ball rate uh, doesn't really mean much too because he hits his flies a whopping 54.6% of the time hard. So I, I think there and, – and I mentioned this before when Pat was talking about Ozuna. I think there's actually – some upside with Santana if he pulls his fly balls more often. So I think there's warning signs, but I like him. Uh, you know, and I'm and I'm I'm taking my Domingo Santana pick back. I'm taking Tommy Fam. Okay, I'm gonna take Fam too. Um, the walk rate is good. The K rate is not troubling at 22. percent He had a vision issue which was straightened out. So I, I think the skills stick. Um, he's highly athletic. He's extremely intelligent. Um, you know, he said that he, you know, he's he's into the data. He's looking at the data. 
He's trying to find ways to improve. And he's also expressed a willingness to run. He said this season his goal was 30-30. Um, so, I mean, he I think he's got the athleticism to do that. Um, so I think he's a little bit less risky than Santana um, overall. So, Joe, I, I know you kind of touched upon this, but can can you just tell us what you think about Santana's contact problems? Or, like, are, is that your primary concern? Or are you more concerned with where he ends up if, you know, he's the fourth outfielder or if he's somewhere else where the power won't play as well? Uh, yeah, I think I'm more concerned about the playing time and potentially the park um, because I, th- I do think that if he goes to a really bad park, um, you know, he, he can have a swing of from 30 home runs down to like, 20 to 21 and then i definitely like fam a lot more okay all right and nick are you concerned about fam's lack of track record making him a potential bust nah because what he did last year was earned he he just played smart he played so well made great contact like you said walked a lot he kind of looks a little bit yelich-esque going uh some picks after so a lot of return and value here. I like the fan pick a lot. It's yeah. it, I do like both of the both guys a lot. That's it's hard for me to pick because it's Santana's power upside, but I'm going to give the edge to fan because of the speed. The, the and thing the safety. With, the thing with fam too, right? Is that I mean, it wasn't really much of a breakout as it was just he got playing time. I mean, he's been the same player for most of his career in AAA and the MLB in in 16 and 15. So um I don't really know if it's a breakout. I think Santana's more of a breakout, but Pat, I know you and I were on him for quite a while. Um, and again, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that Domingo Santana was a breakout, a, a complete breakout either, because he he always hit the he always hit the ball hard, and he always had that sneaky speed. So um, I think Santana's more of a breakout than Fam is, but I like them both. I'm with Nick. Yeah, I, I think we. I think the consensus among us is that we all, we all really like these two guys. Um, I happen to like Fam a little better, but I mean that's not an indictment on Santana. Okay, let's move to the twenty-second outfielder, Andrew McCutcheon. Fantrax eighty point nine one, NFBC eighty two point three four. Do you think the market is being is baking in some of his San Francisco downside? Or do you think it's simply a lack of upside holding McCutcheon below 2017 breakouts like Pham and Santana and 2018 upside plays like Buxton? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's more that he just he's becoming a bit boring, um, and because he's dropped so much from what he's done uh, in you know his MVP years and the 2014-ish area. But I still am on board with McCutcheon, and I like the pick here. I think that um, I think the power will stick from last year. I think he'll be 25 plus home runs again. He could steal 10 plus bases, and he's going to hit for high average, which you know he does year after year. Um, it's a little bit of a boring pick. It's a little vanilla. I don't think the upside is there anymore for him to really hit 300 plus for him to bat for him to hit clo- uh, you know close to 30 or over uh, 30 home runs. I would love to see the steals come back because that's, I think, what would, would be his bread and butter to really become fantasy relevant again. But, um, yeah, I like the ADP, and it's a, it's a safe pick here. 
I think it's the lack of upside. Although since the trade to San Francisco, his NFBC ADP is down a tick. But more so than even the lack of upside, I think what's hurting McCutcheon is we've seen the downside too. Um, you combine a reduced ceiling with uh, low 20s, 256, single-digit steel floor, and it's not a player anyone is going to get feel great about. Um, you know, if he was consistently putting up a year like he did last year and didn't have the hiccup that he had, um, I'm, I'm sure that people would be a little bit more excited to own him. Um, you know, as far as the San Francisco thing goes, I'm not sure that the hate is warranted. Um, it's not as bad a park for right-handers as it is for lefties. In fact, it's nearly comparable with Pittsburgh, so it's not really that much of a change, if any change at all. Um, and McCutcheon's surrounded by a comparable lineup, so I, there's very little reason to think that he won't be as productive this year, um, provided you believe that his skills stay flat. Um, but that's what I think it is. I think it's got to do with the floor more so than it has to do with upside. He, people are afraid that he's going to revert back to, you know, a level of production that you can find, um, you know, from Cole Calhoun at pick 275. All right, let's move to Jonas Cespedes. Uh, Fantrax 89.34, NFBC 101.67. Bit of a gap there. Um, coming off a year cut short by injury, Seems as little market is a little skeptical on Cespedes. Do you share the skepticism or is he priced to buy? Yeah, so aside from the injury last year, it was really business as usual for Yo. Um, considering his age and the hamstring injury last year, you can probably bet that even two steals would be uh, considered a surprise. But with that said, he was on pace for 34 bombs, a 290-plus average, and nearly 180 runs in RBI which sounds a lot like what Marcelo Zuna might turn out. Um, he was hurt in back-to-back years, though, so I'm not projecting him for the 566 plate appearances that Steamer is. Um, and I know that uh, for, I think, two months there... Um, nope. Yeah, two months, June and July. Uh, Cespedes hit four home runs in the, those two months. Um, so... There was just a little bit of volatility there, but you close your eyes and open them, and he's the cesspitus that you know and love. So I think there's a lot of value here, actually, considering that he could be very similar to Marcelo Zuna, but a fraction of the cost. Yeah, I think he's priced to buy as well. Um, the skills have been pretty flat over the last three seasons. He's looking pretty safe for 30-plus bombs, 280 with – somewhere around 180 to 190 runs plus RBIs. He makes a really good amount of hard contact, which has kept the BABIP around league average, despite what is a fly ball heavy profile. Despite being a free swinger, he doesn't K too much. He's at 19% and has shrunk his swinging strike rate down the sw- down to single digits, down to 9%. He does obviously come with some injury risk, which Joe touched upon. Uh, he's got a history of soft tissue injuries. And those are the injuries that tend to linger and sap production. But that's really baked into this price, and I'm more than willing to buy considering the upside. Um, I'm with Steamer as far as that projection goes. I think he'll be mostly healthy 
Um, I, I, he, he's played around that 550 mark for most of his career. Um, obviously, coming off last year, market's a little more skeptical, understandably so. But yeah, I like that. I hadn't thought of that comp to Ozuna, but I, I, I like it. And I think it's, I think there's profit potential here for fantasy owners in what should be probably a, a lineup that's a little underrated. Okay, 24th outfielder, Ryan Braun, Fantrax 102.83, NFBC 110.62. Braun rounds, rounds out the trifecta of boring veterans, in quotes. Do you think he should be two rounds below McCutcheon? Yeah. You know, I earlier I said that I like the ADP of McCutcheon, and I do like the pick there, but then I kind of, at that point, I'm staring at Ryan Braun like, wait, I could wait and take Braun, who has a higher ceiling. And really, last year, even in a shortened injury rattled season he still paced out for like 20 plus 15 plus and a good average once again and last year he was injured often i mean he started the year injured it was multiple injuries he was in and out of the lineup all year the worrisome thing for me as a brown owner last year was that even when he played like when he when he came back from injury and played a couple of games in a row they were giving him a lot of days off and now they have a plethora of talent on this team. So I, I don't know if he gets the playing time this year. But I'm willing to take the chance at this point because if he does, if he does get, if he does play 130 games, you're looking at close to 30 home runs, close to 20 steals, uh, close to a 290 average, and really good accounting stats. So there could be a huge return in value. And Let's just say, by God's good, good grace, Braun comes into the year fully healthy. Let's just say, with all those players on that team who are all talented, if Braun's fully healthy, he's the best player on the team, in my opinion, even at age 34. So I love the pick here. The ADP is fantastic. So, so uh, they've the Brewers have talked about uh, playing him at second base for spring training. I don't think that'll actually stick. Um They've also talked to him about playing first base. But, um, man, is it interesting. It is oh my God, definitely interesting. But it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Second, um, No, first base is definitely a possibility. First base is a possibility, yeah. Just for, just for fun, where would you put him at second base? Oh, my God. Like how, oh my what God. would that do to his ADP? It, it, it would uh, be like a, it would be a rocket shit, and it would yeah, never stop. Yeah, legitimately. He'd be like the, the fifth. Or fourth or fifth second baseman, probably. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. Joe. I just had to throw that out there. No, no, that's cool. So, Nick, I initially had your concerns until I – the playing time concerns specifically – until I heard about him potentially being able to move to first base. Um, and I actually think that might be a good thing for him. He might not uh, accumulate the, the, the plate appearances, but all of his plate appearances might be much healthier – if he is playing first base or spelling outfield and not playing every day. Um, so I think that news actually pushes him up a little bit for me. I, I don't know if I agree with 30 home runs though. I don't know if it's in his bat anymore. Really? Uh, yeah. I think he's closer to like mid twenties. No man. He has it in his bat. All right. So real quick question uh, for both of you. Um, percentage wise, he plays 130 games this year. Joe. Okay. Oh, 
130. Yeah. How many did he play last year? 104. 104. One... 130. I'm going to go with 70%. Jo- uh, Pat? 61. Okay, and give me a 130 game projection, Pat. 25 homers, 10 steals, 285, 845 OPS. So he's McCutcheon in 130 games. Yeah. See, I'm a little bit lower than you guys on the the pop. I'm at like 22. Yeah, if he plays one, if he plays 130, I have him at 30, 15, Ooh. 295. Yeah, you're the high man for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just blew us out of the water. <laughs> All right, let's talk to let's talk about his teammate Lorenzo Kane, 25th outfielder, Fantrax 107.94, NFBC 100.14. With Kane also landing in Milwaukee, does his value go up, down, or stay the same? By God, it's Kane! (laughs) Pat, you take this first, because you've been a Kane guy since Undertaker came out in, like, 1990 and tombstoned him. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I am the Kane guy. Kane! Listen, value is definitely up. He's going to be hitting near the top of the lineup or in the middle of what is a great lineup. Kane is an underrated piece in general. Quick story here. I was talking baseball on the Facebook group. Uh, the It's called The Bullpen. It's tied to the Prospect 361 podcast. It's a great resource. Big shout out to those guys. But we were discussing Buxton, and I, I said that his 75th percentile projection was – akin to Lorenzo Cain, um, you know, it would roughly return the same amount of value. And whoever I was talking with completely lost it. <laughs> that tells you how underappreciated Lorenzo Cain is. Um, in Milwaukee, I, I think he might get lost in the big picture of people who are dreaming on Christian Yelich and him tapping into his power in that park. Cain has morphed into a teen's power hitter in recent years while maintaining a 300 average and mid-20 steals. Um, Milwaukee would have netted him five homers last year. On the road, Kane hit for considerably more power than at home. Of course, Kansas City is not a favorable power park. His ISO away was 168. His ISO at home was 112. I raised his power projection from 16 homers to 19 homers, and you can do the math. If the homers go from mid-teens to around 20, the line starts to look a lot like what people are talking about when they discuss Andrew Benintendi. 300, 20, 25, except Kane is going 60 picks later. Yeah, but the main, you didn't bring up the biggest point with Kane, and that's injuries. Is it really that big of an issue with him? I mean, listen, he's turned in full, like almost full seasons, like th- I think three years in total. But he has been dinged yeah, up. Aren't, a lot. There, aren't there at least two of the last three and three of the last four? I believe. That's yeah, correct. but then you're right. But then you pair that with the fact that, like, what he, his upside is kind of lacking in power. I mean, 20 home runs just everyone's doing it these days. And as far as speed, um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't. I just think it's kind of inconsistent, and I can't put a number on it. Like, I haven't projected for 17 steals this year. 
and that's going with like 16 home runs and a good average, and that's that's fine. It's 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 a boring stat line, and there's not many guys at this point in the draft who are a lock to hit like 285 plus. I think Kane is one of those guys. He's such a good friggin' hitter. He just does not strike out, and he walks, and we know all that good stuff about him. But I there's a lot of mouths to feed here. I, I, I don't know. I'm just not buying it. I, I, there are a lot of other guys going to get to in a second that I like more. Why I'm not so- going to. I'm not going to try and convince you on the power. The um, speed, even yeah. though even though there is a significant park factor difference, that's fine. But the speed. Milwaukee ran the second most of any team in the major leagues last year, and the only team in front of them were was the Reds, and that was because they had Billy Hamilton. So I think Kane is going to be allowed to run as much as he wants. Dude, okay. and, and he's a career 83.5% stolen base rate. That's yeah, it's more really... – my, my issue with him on the steals is that I'm just kind of baking it into injury, where if he gets injured, the steals take a dip. That's that, fair. That's, that's my only issue. And you know what? It's really not that warranted. Like Pat said, the, the injuries haven't been that substantial where you should be that worried. but. I, over the years, it's just little things here and there. I, I just kind of have a bad and, stigma. It's more of a personal stigma about the guy. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything knocking his talent. He's a good player, but I just have a. I just was never a king guy. I think I'm it was because you were. I think it was because Pat was such a pro king guy. It made me annoyed. <laughs> yeah, by. It just he just hates my guts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen, what it, listen, one other thing I just want to say about King Quick is it's it's sort of. Like the same thing that we were talking about with Braun, though. Milwaukee, well, you and Nick, you said it. Like they've got a lot of mouths to feed, but that also means they've got a lot of paths to keep these guys healthy mm-hmm. by giving them a day off here and there, um, as opposed to trying to roll them out there for 160, 155 games. So you almost would rather have the day off here and there and keep them healthy and productive as opposed to trying to roll him out there when he shouldn't be out there. Who do you like better, Kane or McCutcheon? I've got Kane in front of McCutcheon now. Kane or Cespedes? Cespedes, but I'm very high on Cespedes. Joe, Kane or McCutcheon? I still have Kutch. Okay. Dude, what about you? Uh, Kutch. Okay, let's move it to Ronald Acuna. Fantrax, 118.19. NFBC, 139.82. I was a little surprised that the NFBC is actually more conservative than Fantrax. What do you make of the Braves' prospect? You give him of returning top 25 outfield value. This is very surprising. So, um, I think this is way too high right now. Um, considering, I don't think he'll start on the MLB roster. Um, even though everyone wants him to. It's also a big ask for him to continue uh, the same pace as he did in the minors as just a 20-year-old. Listen, I like Okuna. I like Okuna a lot. Um, I've heard good things. I've seen good things. Um, it's just I'm not sure if he's going to get a full round of at-bats this rookie year. Um so I think he ends up with something closer to 15 home runs, a little under 20 steals, and a slightly cutoff season. And to answer your question, um, him returning top 25 value, um, 
again, I really like the player. So if he's on the roster from day one, I think he's at 65%. As of what I know today, it's 20%. I think he is on the roster to start the year. You do? Yeah, I mean, he played enough games in AA and AAA. Yeah, and, but su- what about and, Super 2, man? Well, well, wait, and he and he mashed. And yeah, but what about Super 2, man? Wait, now you look at this lineup right now, and they are they, everyone loves Nick Markakis like he just has to play, but there are spots <laughs> to be had. There are spots <laughs> to be had in this outfield, and if you put Acuna in this lineup at like four, you're looking at Enciarte, Albies, Freeman. Acuna. That is a really sexy one through four. Okay, so Pat, before you go, Nick, if he's on the roster day one, what percentage chance do you give him of returning top 25 value? Oh my god. Like mm, 85%. 90. So you're higher than me. Wow. I, I, This kid is he's going to mash when he comes up. He's going to be awesome. Alright, listen. There's no denying the guy's talent. Um, he's Got multi-category potential. He can hit for power. He can run. He can hit for average. Sky is the limit in terms of his skills. Um, you know, over the long term, definitely. But I also think we need to take a breath. Mike Trout struggled in his first taste of the big leagues. We can never forget that. Acuna can't even buy a drink yet. <laughs> like he doesn't turn twenty-one for a full year. Okay. Um, if they send him down to start the year and he gets off to a cold start, they might keep him down for a bit. I'm also a little concerned about the K rate. I think it could be an issue against more advanced pitching. I have him at a 20 to 25% chance that he's a top 25 outfielder, considering those factors. I acknowledge the upside is huge, but I think the market's just a little over-aggressive. Uh, Okuna is a shiny new toy, and I just don't see much of a path to profit at this price. Yeah, so right now at this price, it's too expensive for me. That's that's kind of what I meant when I said way too high. And Nick, what are your thoughts? Right? Do you think this is expensive right now? No, I think it's extremely think it's good. I, I think it's extremely good when you look at the the next like crop of guys. Like he definitely has the most upside when you compare him to the next like four guys, three guys we're about to discuss. But I mean, Matt Olsen has upside as well, but I don't know. Akuna has all the tools to just rake. Uh, I love the player. I think it's a, and once you get, I, I always say it, once you get past round 10, you take the risk, you take the high upside guys. Okay. Marwin Gonzalez, 27, fan tracks, 120.96 and FPC 114.86. We discussed him last week. Do you prefer him or Yasiel Puig at 123.4 fan tracks ADP, 111.4 on NFBC? Uh, I definitely prefer Puig, and it's not even close. Yeah, so Nick, I'm going to let you go first. But yeah, this is ridiculous. Well, I don't think it's it's ridiculous. Real life, but yeah, it's Puig. But I don't think it's ridiculous because. Look, Puig just had his big breakout season, right? Where he hit, he finally hit the twenty bombs that, you know, we were kind of waiting twenty five plus that we were waiting for. Um, but with Puig, I see a lot more power in his profile. Still, I think he could eclipse thirty home runs this year, and he could steal fifteen plus bags again. 
And he's also a guy who he only had a 274 Babbitt last year. And that's going to come up. And you know, we're going to see the average take a nice trip up to like the 280-ish area. If you if you package that with 15 steals and let's just – let's call it 28 again. Let's say it doesn't hit 30, but 28, 15, 280, that's money. And he's on a really good lineup. He seems to be maturing as a player. I think those all those issues that we had with him in the past are gone and forgotten. And – I just love this ADP, and I still think there's a ton of upside in Puig that we haven't seen yet. I'm I have him like so crazy high ranked above anyone. Like I have him, I'm taking him over Cutchin, I'm taking him over Santana, I'm taking him over Chris Davis with a K, Billy Hamilton. He's way at like 17th overall outfielder for me. Okay, so the first thing I have is then isn't this price ridiculous? Because Marwin, we all agreed on that he was like an 18 and like 10 guy or 18 and 7, something like that, mm-hmm. right? So Puig is going to destroy those numbers, even with the multi-eligibility. So I do think that them being priced similarly and close is ridiculous. And Nick, I'm actually on board with you. I hated, I hated Yaseo Puig two years ago. Hated, hated him. The price was so high. Everyone was so on board. Everyone was looking past all the on-field issues, discipline issues that he had. It was crazy. Now, I agree with you. I think he's gotten past most of it. I think the team's embraced a lot of what he does now. And I do also agree that I think there's more home run upside. I'm totally in on this price. Yeah, the, the maturity thing has gone a very, very, very long way. Yeah, just remember, don't hate him. Puig, your friend. <laughs> All right, let's move to Ian Desmond, 29th. 126.02 on fan tracks, NFBC 115.24. Desmond's first year in course was plagued by injuries. Do you think he can return to 2016 levels? And are you more worried about injuries or Colorado's depth? Man, last year, where was he going? In drafts, like people were going wild over Ian like Desmond, fifth round in twelve team leagues. I I think I seen him go higher even at some points. People really thought this crazy year was coming, and I, I I was one of those people, but not. I didn't have him as high as everyone else, but I was one of those is, people. But I don't want to admit to being one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, <laughs> talk about post hype sleeper. Um, this is it. I mean, this is it. This is the time to buy. Uh, I, it's it's almost a good thing that he had a crappy year last year because if you wait a little bit and take this guy in round eleven, round ten, you could possibly get thirty home runs, twenty plus steals, and a two fifty ish average on a sick team. Really good counting stats. It, it's just a matter of staying healthy, and and, and you know at this point in his career. You say to yourself, all right, so if he does play 150 games, what's his floor as far as uh, home runs and stolen bases? And in cores, it's it's like his floor has got to be like 23 home runs. Uh, the steals, let's just call it 15, and the average, let's call it 240. Uh, if you get that return at this point, it's still not bad. But the upside is, like I said, 30, uh, 20, 270-ish. I'm taking the risk. I'm taking the chance. This is a great buying opportunity. 
You sound like the guy that took him in the fifth round last year. <laughs> Listen, um, with the power, I, I actually think it's kind of a question mark because his ground ball to fly ball profile has gotten completely out of control. Crazy. You worry about Christian Yelich. I mean, this guy had 60% ground balls last year. He had three ground balls for every fly ball he hit. Uh, and I could just turn around and say, oh, well, you know, it was injury. But this is something that's been progressively happening with Desmond. This is the fourth straight year that's gotten worse. So he's obviously doing something with his swing that is causing him to hit the ball into the ground at a pretty high rate. Um, and as far as injury or depth, I kind of wrapped them up together. The issue is, is that if Desmond gets hurt, or he underperforms, Colorado has several different ways to replace him in this lineup. Be it Ryan McMahon, if they bring in another first baseman, Romulo Tapia, or David Dahl. Um, they've got a lot of talented young hitters that can come in and make Desmond a very expensive utility option. So while I don't think his upside is quite what Nick said about the 2030, I could see like a 2025 type season from Desmond, something similar to what he did in Texas in 2016. But I could also see him out of a job by the middle of May, um, you know, playing two or three days every week, just spelling guys that are in the lineup as opposed to playing every day. And while at this price, that's not going to kill you. Um, you're, trading a fixture in your lineup for a player that could just be a complete zero by May 15th. All right. Our last player tonight, Matt Olson. Fantrax 126.28, NFBC 119.53. We discussed Olson on the first base show. So let's see where he is among the outfielders. Who do you have him in front of that we talked about tonight? Joe. Uh, just Marvin. Really? Uh, I well, I actually, as much as I as I like Desmond's upside, I have him in front of Desmond Marwin. Um, and oh, I and Okuna. I I don't know. I kind of kind of like the upside versus Kutch, but I'll ju- I'll just go with uh Desmond and Marwin for now. Yeah, I'm Desmond Marwin and Okuna. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our show tonight. We're going to be back next week. We're going to wrap up outfielders. We're going to do it a little differently. Uh, We're actually going to hold a draft among the three of us of remaining outfielders, depending on how far we get. I mean, we might do 35, 40, 45, 50. We'll we'll see how it goes. Um, But, you know, that's going to be our show next week. It should be a little different. And if it's a good show, then maybe we'll do the same thing with starting pitching as we get later in starting pitching. The idea is is that we want to give you guys some color on some of the deeper names that we like. Because as you get into the outfield ADPs, eventually it turns kind of yucky and you're you're really liking guys later um, as opposed to the guys that are coming up in the order. So we want to give you some good deeper names uh, to look at. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Patrick FWO. Nick, where can they find you? Nick FWO. Joe FWO. And, okay, Joe anticipated. All right, that'll wrap it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. See you later, guys.
This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase.